Well, good morning. Welcome to Grace. We're glad you're here on this Super Bowl Sunday, right? This evening. I want to know today, uh, tonight, we figured this thing out. Like, if we tell people to bring chili for a chili contest, they'll bring chili, and then we'll have free food to feed all you. See, that's smart right there. Anyway, uh, I don't know how many's going to attempt to beat me at my famous chili that I make, but uh, we'll see tonight. And tonight, when I win the chili cook-off, I'm going to get all praise and glory to Jesus Christ and to Tom Brady. <laughs> how many's for the Patriots? We've got a few in here. We'll get more. <laughs> tonight, come to the Super Bowl party. We just have a good time. That's all we're going to have. We've got plenty of food. And you'll enjoy it. If you think you might come, I want you to stand. Because I want to know how many stuffs to fix. Can anybody kind of get a count of there? We were counting them at first service. I'm telling you, you'll have a good time. All right. Wait, wait. I don't think they counted everybody yet. <laughs> I hope you come and enjoy it and have a good time. We got a pretty close count here, guys. Okay. Thank you. Uh. But uh, we're looking forward to that. We just we put it on the big screen here and have a good time. Uh, glad to have you here today. And uh, God's been doing some amazing thing in our, I think we had five new kids last week, seven new adults. We had three uh, rededications to Jesus Christ and two people said they're ready to volunteer. I believe we're having an awakening here at Grace. Can you say amen? I pray that God would wake us all up. <laughs> in a mighty way. Uh, we've been having different people come and sharing a little bit and uh, what God means to them, the church means to them, and doing some special things here recently. I'd like for uh, Rick Kilburn to come. He's got something to share today, and uh, I'll just leave that up there if that ain't in your way. Just don't start preaching. Yes, sir. <laughs> Good morning, Grace. Thank you very much for letting me have a little bit of time this morning. Um, I've been coming to Grace now for a little over a year and as uh, growing up, I uh, was in a Baptist church for a little bit as a child, went to Methodist a little bit, then a little bit of Pentecostal, so I've been around the block. Um, what I will tell you guys, though, is coming to Grace has changed my life. Um, you guys as a church family, whether you know it or not, just the smiling faces every Sunday really has an impact on people's lives. I don't, I don't know if you guys know that as much as you do, but, uh, you know, I can tell you I honestly feel 110% welcome at this church. I wear my boots, my jeans. Nobody says anything. I feel comfortable. I can come here, worship the Lord. And I want to tell you guys, I really appreciate that because it's having an impact in my life. I've, I've come a lot closer to God in the past year uh, of my you know, visits at Grace. And uh, also got uh, one other person I'd really like to thank because they're the person that got me invited to Grace and got me coming to Grace. You guys have seen me trailing around her for a little bit. She's been coming here for a little while, so Kenitha, come on up here. I want to I tell you thank you for a second. Tell you what, I'm going to go on this step right here. Um, guys, you guys have known Kenitha probably a lot longer than I've known her just because of the fact that she, uh, she's been coming here forever. Her parents, James and Kim, are awesome. They've, uh, they've really showed me uh, a really good example of a Christian family, very good leaders on that part. And uh, 
I got a little something special today for Kenitha. I made a video for her that Jeff's going to play in just one second um, that uh, I really hope you like. I hope it means a lot to you. So, Jeff, go ahead and play that video for me. James, I just wanted to tell you, uh, thank you very much for taking some time out of your work day. I know you're very busy. I want to tell you from my heart that you and your wife have taken me in as your family, and that means a lot. Um, You know my past. You know my history. You know my struggles. And... For you guys to take me in um, and and truly love me and show me what a, a Christian family, family is like, that means a lot to me. One of the big things I've learned from you is what a leader of the household can be. To be that Christian example shows me a lot of the type of person that I want to be and that I'm starting to become. Um, I've changed a lot over the last year myself. Um, I've become a better Christian and I feel like being here at the church, um, I feel like being in yours and Kim's presence has helped with that. Um, I feel like being around Kenitha has helped that tremendously. You know, she's uh, she's the one that got me, invited me to Grace, that's got me going to Grace, and she's got me a lot closer to church, um, and, or got me in the door at church and got me going to church. and and help lead me towards God and I feel like all your hard work and dedication to your daughter and your son has has paid off for you for that and 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 I'll tell you that your daughter means everything to me she she means the world to me she uh, you know she she's led me down a correct path you should know that you know she is an amazing woman Um, she's a godly woman Um, she has a lot of aspirations And and, and I'll tell you that um, those aspirations help drive me. My goals after seeing your family is I want to be like that. I want to be that religious leader in the household. I want to be the one that sets that example for my children, for future children, for all the family members. I want people to see us as an example of this is the way things should be. This is how God wants a family to be. I know we're not perfect, and I know we'll have our ups and downs. We're not. But I feel like that her and I are already closer to God than we were a year ago. I feel like that we're continually growing. We pray together. Um, We do devotionals together. You may not know that yet or not, but we do. Uh, Matter of fact, we're starting a new one uh, today, actually tonight. The biggest thing with her is she's my best friend. I can talk to her about anything and everything. I want to take care of her for the rest of my life. I want to be there to support her. I want to be there to lift her up. I want to be there to encourage her. I love your daughter very much. I love her with all my heart. I want to take care of her. You've done your part. She'll always be your daughter. She'll be your baby girl, even though she's the oldest. Yeah. And I want to be the person to take over that role and that will cherish her and love her for the rest of her life to protect her and make sure she's in good hands for the rest of her life. And with that being said, I would like to ask for her hand in marriage. You kind of caught old dad off guard. That don't happen very often. I'm truly, I'm, I'm blessed. I've, I've, uh, that's been our goal all along, is to find her, somebody that would cherish her and honor her. And, and I, I do believe that you're that candidate. So, 
I'm going to hope his, I'm going to give you my blessings. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you her mom, her mama's blessings. <laughs> um, because she told me six, eight months ago, she said, I really think Rick's the guy. So I want you to know that uh, I've always been skeptical. And that, uh, but I am proud to say that you have demonstrated your worthiness of my daughter. And I want you to know that I appreciate that. So with that video, I want you to know that I meant every word of that. And I want to fill that role of a leader, spiritual leader. I'd like to fill that role as a husband, a future father to some children. And um, with that, would you be my wife? Yeah. Yes. See if this thing fits. <laughs> well, I picked the right ring size, so that's good. And she said yes. Thank you very much, guys. Glad you guys could be part of this. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you, sir. Well, how do I get started after that? <laughs> you hear that, James Kim? B children? <laughs> Get the children's department ready. <laughs> I like that. I like that. I believe when, as we, we set our path toward the Lord Jesus Christ and we put him first, great things begin to happen in all of our lives. Uh, we've been talking about this series and going through this series on Romans the eighth chapter and uh, we've been talking about the heart of the gospel if Romans is considered to be one of the greatest books in the Bible then Romans 8 is if the book of Romans is like the ring Romans 8 is like the diamond ring it's like the the diamond in the middle of the ring it's special and last week we talked about the first part of Romans, the 8th chapter. In Romans 8 and 1. And it said, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. And I told you, me using my King James Bible, it says, who walk not after the flesh, but walk after the spirit. And when I was in college, I read through the book of Romans every day for 30 days, the entire book of the Bible. And that used to bother me the most. Back then, I didn't know that in the original manuscript that, that who walked not after the flesh, but after the spirit is not in there. It was not in the original manuscript. It was put in sometime later. And so what it's supposed to, how it's supposed to read according to their actual manuscript is there is therefore now no condemnation to those which are in Christ Jesus, period. No condemnation. None. I'd share with you about the word no. No is in the emphatic means no. No, no, never, never, no. You know, I don't know how many ways you can say it. No way, Jose. Never, a thousand times no. No, there will never be any condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Very emphatic, very strong. And in the Greek way that they placed it in the text is let you know what word is emphatic in that. And God is saying there is no way 
no way that anybody can be in Christ Jesus and be in condemnation. Now, I did not say that to be in Christ Jesus meant there was no sins. Because we're still living in these bodies. And sometimes we yield ourselves to the wrong things. Sometimes we don't follow through the way we need to follow through. And therefore, uh, but even, even though he said there is no condemnation, he didn't say there wouldn't be no failures or no sins. There'll be sins, but he just said there would be no condemnation because we're in Christ Jesus. And uh, that, that's pretty powerful when you think about it, that there is no condemnation. Uh, and he says then the word now, the word now is it's in the sense of when does this start? It starts now. When a person comes to know Jesus Christ, their personal Savior, it's then that there is now no condemnation. And so it is a time word. It points to the change that comes in our life. We were condemned sinners, but now we're justified. And we talked about justified being just as if we had never sinned. When does this happen now? I used the little illustration, and it kind of worked good in the first service. We had a few little problems in the second service about the woman caught in the act of adultery. There was no question that she was caught in the adultery. They didn't bring the man, but they brought the woman. And he, the religious leaders came, and they lined up, and they had their stones in their hand. And they said, this woman, she was caught in the very act of adultery according to the law. She's condemned, and she is to be stoned. And what do you say? And Jesus got down and he began to write on the sand. We don't know what he wrote. He might have said, okay, that guy over there, you know what you did last Thursday. (laughs) The same finger that probably wrote the Ten Commandments in the stone was writing in the sand. Which was not uncommon back then. They didn't have tablets. You didn't pull out your post-it note or your fancy phone. You just wrote in the sand. And he wrote in the sand. And then he looked up at these guys. And they were trying to trap him. And they were looking and they're saying. You know well, let's see what he's going to do. Is he going to let her get by with that sin? Or is he going to let us stone her? We're going to put him in this situation. Where either way he's going to be wrong. And so Jesus looked up to those religious leaders. That was the religious leaders in Jerusalem there. And he said ye without sin cast the first stone and it said from the oldest to the youngest they began to drop their stones they began to drop their stones can you imagine them hitting the ground dropping their stones these were the religious of the religious from the oldest to the youngest the older you live the more you realize how imperfect we are He turned to the woman and he said, as they dropped their stones, they went away bitterly. And he looked at her and he said, ye, he says, he said, ma'am, where is your accusers? And she looked up and she said, I have none. And he goes, go and sin no more. There was never a question whether she sinned or not, but he wasn't going to condemn her. 
I want you to think about that for a moment. The, the people, the only people, the, the, they, the people, the religious people that came to condemn her, Jesus pointed out, you without sin cast the first stone. That was the condition of being their condemner is that they had never done any sin themselves. In light of Romans 3 and 23, and, and Romans 3 and 19, where the whole world has ended up in sin, and Romans 3 and 23, all has sinned and come short of the glory of God. All, in the Greek, all is all. Everybody, every one of us, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So if we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God, that means we will, we are not now, neither will we be ever able to condemn others because we're in the same boat they're in. So the people that wanted to condemn them, they were not qualified to condemn them. Who's not qualified to condemn sinners? Sinners, right? Does that make sense? Wave your hand. If it makes sense for sinners not to be able to condemn sinners, then... We can't condemn. The only one that was able to condemn her, the only one without sin, the, one, the only one that lived his entire life without sin, he was the one that could condemn her, but he did not. He said, neither do I condemn thee, go and sin no more. Folks, when the scripture says there is no condemnation now, therefore, therefore is going all the way to Romans 1, therefore, Here's the situation. You're all sinners. It don't matter whether you're religious people. It don't matter whether you've been in the synagogue. It don't mean it matter if you were a priest. It don't matter if you were a scribe. It don't matter who you were. It doesn't matter if you were Jew or Gentile. You're all sinners. And the law has never saved not one of you. But on this summit of Romans, Romans 8, he looks back and he said, that's the plight of the entire world. The entire world is in sin. But he said, I've got an answer for you. The answer for the sin problem in the world today is Jesus Christ. And you've got to get in him. There is no other way. And in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, it says, when you, when you give your heart to Jesus, when you become born again. He says, therefore, if any man be in Christ Jesus, he is a new what? Creation. All things are passed away and all things are becoming new. We're in this state of passing. We're passing away and we're becoming Paul said, I'm not what I, you know, his, his summation of what he said, I'm not what I used to be. I'm not what I'm going to be, but thank God I'm not what I used to be, you know. I, I, I'm in the process. I, he said, I'm convinced that what God has started in me, he will finish in me. Now, the difference is justification is not in stages. You're either justified or you're not justified. You're either saved if you're not saved. There's not several uh, layers or, or states of people. You're either saved or you're not saved. You're either in Christ or you're not in Christ. You're either justified or you're not justified. Now, sanctification, there are stages or progressions of sanctification. It has tense to it. We are saved because of, or because of, of justification, just like we'd never sinned before because of the blood of Jesus Christ. We're justified. And we are being saved by sanctification. We are in the process of becoming more. 
like Christ. And we're headed to glorification. Where we're going to be given a new body. A new body, praise the Lord. Last Sunday evening I was doing the funeral for Linda's dear mom. And uh, God gave me a new passage of scripture I'd never noticed. When the disciples, Peter, Paul, and John, uh, were up on the Mount of Transfiguration. I I just thought, well, they was up there in the glory and God. But it never dawned on me what they were doing up there. They were up there discussing Jesus's going to be deceased. That Jesus is going to be deceased. And so they were up there, and I'm thinking, well, what makes that such a great, a glorious moment in the Mount of Transfiguration? You're talking about somebody going to die. And so to help the disciples understand, there's really only two ways out of here. Only two ways. And he, he was telling them, he said, I brought Moses is here. Now Moses died and was buried, and the people cried, and their leader had died, and now Joshua was going to take over. Moses died, and yet he's standing on the Mount of Transfiguration, resurrected, talking, and well. Then there's Elijah, he never died. A whirlwind came and got him in a twinkling of an eye. He was taken up into glory and he was transfigured. He was changed. And so Jesus wants the disciples to understand one of those two things are going to get you one day. You're either going to die and if you die, I want you to know that if you die and you're buried, you can still You can still chant with the greatest of all, like Moses, and you can say, oh, death, where is your victory? Because it's not going to keep a God-man down. And some of you, if you live long enough, you may get to go in the rapture, and us that's going up in the rapture, we can say, oh, death, where is your sting? Because we never even had to go through the death thing. But one of those two things are going to take you out one of the days. Either God's going to take you out through the rapture or you're going to die, be buried. But don't even worry about that because you are going to be resurrected. To be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. So it's an amazing, amazing thing that they were talking about this death. And so they're not stages. You're either justified or you're not. You're either in Christ or if you're not. If you're in Christ, then you're justified. One, one writer explained it like this. We are the body of Christ. I talked to you back when I was talking about the Holy Spirit about three baptisms. And, you know, the, the, even the, our, our creed talks about, the, you know, there are uh, Romans the, uh, uh, in, in Hebrews writing, it talks about baptisms, plural. And so there's the baptism where the Holy Spirit comes along with us and the Holy Spirit will draw you unto Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit will convict you and the Holy Spirit will convict you of your sins and you will repent of your sins and you will ask Jesus Christ in your heart and you will be born again and you will be justified and the Holy Spirit will cause you to be baptized into Jesus Christ. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. So everybody... Everybody that's born again has the Holy Spirit. And then as you get a chance, and hopefully very soon you go down to a water, 
somewhere, a baptismal pond or a river or a, a baptismal pool, and you are baptized, and that's when you are letting everybody else know what was done to you by the Holy Spirit. One little kid goes, hey, pastor, when can I be advertised instead of baptized? He was not too far off because that's what baptism is. It's letting everybody know publicly what is already taking place spiritually by the Holy Spirit. You've been born again. And so once you're born again, you're in Christ. You're in Christ. I'm going to tell you this. If you were going to drown me, you'd have to get my head underwater. You can't just drown my leg or my arm or my waist, to drown me, you got to get my head all the way underwater and hold it down for a while. And because we're in Christ and Jesus is the head of the church, and Jesus being the head of the church, He is not condemned, then therefore we're not condemned. We're not condemned. He's not condemned, we're not condemned. God cannot condemn us without condemning Jesus, and God's not going to do that. And when we, that in in AD 33, when Jesus died on the cross, we find in Romans later, he said, who shall, who shall come against God's elect? Who shall condemn God's elect? Who can do it? Who's qualified to do it? Nobody's qualified to do it. Jesus died for us. And he's at the right hand of the Father making intercessory for us. So no one's qualified to condemn us, but Jesus, and Jesus has already said, he's not going to condemn us. Because we're in Christ Jesus. But the no condemnation is based on not walking in the Spirit and the, the, the ability to do it or the lack of the ability to do it. Your, your basis for being no, having no condemnation is that you're in Christ. And you're in Christ, but the Holy Spirit puts you in Christ. So there's the uh, Holy Spirit putting you in Christ, and then there's the water baptism that anybody in the church really can do. A lot of times the elders will do it, but a small group leader could baptize you. It's just an outward sign of what's taking place inwardly. But then he said, go tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be baptized with power from on high. The Holy Spirit. Guess what happens there? First time you had the Holy Spirit baptizing you into Jesus' body. Then you had the recognition of that in the public gathering. And then on the day of Pentecost, you had the Holy Spirit that Jesus was now baptizing you into the Holy Spirit. So he says it's the doctrine of baptisms. And so when you, when you get saved and you're, when you're by the Holy Spirit, you are placed into the body of Christ, you are justified. Just, you're not going to get more justified. You're not going to get more holy. You're justified just as if you'd never committed sin because you're hidden in Christ Jesus. But I'm going to tell you what, that's when, that's when that you get the Holy Spirit. You're in the body of Christ. But I'm going to tell you, the, the, the third baptism, this baptism of the Holy Spirit, that's when the Holy Spirit gets you. That's when you yield to the Holy Spirit. That's when the Holy Spirit gets you. And that's what that Spirit of Jesus Christ, that omnipotent power of God, that's the power that changes you. And day by day, you become more and more like Christ. The early church began to be so much like Christ, they didn't even have the term Christian, but they didn't have, they called them the people of the way. But then they started to notice these people, these people are acting just like Jesus. 
Yeah, because they've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is getting a hold of them, and now they're acting just like Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit, and they're casting out devils in the power of the Holy Spirit, and they're healing the sick in the power of the Holy Spirit, and they're, they're seeing their wickedness in their own life, and they're seeing the wickedness in other people's life through the power of the Holy Spirit, and they say, well, we're going to start calling them Christians, little Christ-like people, Christians. That's a sanctifying process. We're not there yet. But one day, one day, as Paul said, one day we're going to be glorified. The thing that holds us down the most is operating this Holy Spirit life in these these bodies that are wayward, are sinful bodies, these bodies of flesh, these uh, bodies uh, one day. And so as we, through the Holy Spirit, we mortify the flesh. In other words, we say, flesh, you, you get down. You're not right. You're not holy. And we, through the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit teaches us and leads and guides us. The Holy Spirit convicts you of sin. But He don't condemn you. He convicts you. He leads you. He guides you. He directs you. And so we see there's no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. None. And what, it, what does what no condemnation means, it means that God has acquitted believers of guilt and has lifted the judicial sentence which they formerly understood, un, were under. God is not and will not ever condemn you. God will not kick you out of his family. Satan will try to condemn you. People will try to condemn you. Your own heart may even try to condemn you, but God will not condemn you. Romans 8 and 31, if God be for us, who can be against us? Romans 8 and 34, who is he that condemneth? It is Christ who died. Yes, is risen. Who even is at the right hand of the Father? At the right hand of, the, of, of God, who also maketh intercessories for us? Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, and He's walked this life, and He's making, He's praying for us. He's sprinkling His blood. When He died on the cross, He died for our past sins, our present sins, our future sins. Well, what does it mean? And I didn't get very far into this last week, but what does it mean to be in Christ? The only condition for no condemnation is to be in Christ Jesus. There are only two classes of human beings on the face of the earth. Those are who are in Christ, and those people have no condemnation. The importance of the understanding and what it means to be in Christ. Paul used that favorite term 165 times about being in Christ. Those who are in Adam are in condemnation. Romans 15, 12 through 21 talks about this condemnation. How do we get in Christ? By believing in Jesus Christ and being born again. It's a work of the Holy Spirit as I just shared with you. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 4. By one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Whether we be Jews or Greeks. Whether we're slave or free. And have all been to made to drink of one spirit. The Holy Spirit puts you in Christ. It's God's work. Who is in Christ? All true Christians. There's no degrees of being in Christ. You're not 30% in Christ or 50% in Christ. You're either in Christ or you're not in Christ. At the moment of your salvation, you become regenerated. You're not of the generation of Adam anymore. You're born again. You're of the generation of Jesus Christ. 
You know, the word saint and the word sanctified and the word holy is all the same word in the Greek. How long will you be in Christ? And this is where some people have a problem because the good news sounds like it's too good a news to even believe. How long will you be in Christ? I believe personally you'll be in Christ forever. Ever. Romans 8 and 39 said there's no separation. I told you this chapter starts with no condemnation and it ends with no separation. So once you're in Christ, you're always in Christ. You're always in Christ. I want to hang there for a few moments. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Like I said, that part is in the fourth verse, but there's no conditions to no condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation. It's simply a declaration of no condemnation. It comes to those in Christ Jesus. It does not say there's less condemnation. It says there's no condemnation. It does. Sometimes we think that, it's an, that Christ improves on the way we don't know. He doesn't. He transforms us. He changes us. He knows where he's taking us. He knows where we're going to end up. He knows we're going to end up glorified. In Jesus Christ, there is no condemnation for you if you are not in Christ Jesus. And then you're not in Christ. You're, not, you're in condemnation. No condemnation. The place of confidence and peace comes after, after you know, we have this sometimes confusion and this conflict. As Paul saw in Romans 7. But to know that you're in Christ Jesus is everything. While it is true that those who are in Christ should not and do not consistently walk, sometimes sometimes we mess up, sometimes we fail, there's still no condemnation. Their position is in Jesus. See, our, our, our position is in Jesus. We stand in Jesus Christ. We're in Jesus Christ. God sees Jesus Christ. He sees his perfection. He sees his blood. We receive this glorious declaration from God's court. No condemnation. We don't, we don't receive it because we don't deserve it. We deserve condemnation. We're all sinners. We certainly do deserve condemnation. We receive it because Jesus bore the condemnation we deserve. And our identity is now found in him. The contrast between the life of the spirit and the life of the flesh for the law of the spirit of life in Christ has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did. God did it. He accomplishes by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on the account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. The law of the spirit of life is in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of the sin and death. Law of the sin and death was strong and seemingly absolute law. Every sin we commit is proof that there was sin covered this earth. We are free from the law of sin. Though inevitably, inevitably does the Christian does not have the Christian does not have to sin because he is freed from the sin's dominion. We are freed from the law of death. Death no longer has any lasting power over the believer. The law 
does it have power over the believer? Because Jesus has already paid the, the sentence for the law. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh. The law could not save us. It didn't matter whether you were Jew, whether you were Gentile, the law could never save us. Moses' law was right, but not, it didn't have any might. Sin's law had might, but it didn't have any right. The Spirit has both the right and the might, the power. The law is weak because we are weak. We're the ones weak. The law is the law, but we're weak. We can't carry out the law. We couldn't carry out the law if we wanted to. It's like this. The sun, you know, the sun cannot give light to a blind eye. It's not that the sun is impotent in itself, but merely that it's the incapacity. It's in a, the inability of the subject that the sun shines upon. There's nothing wrong with the sun, but the blind guy can't see the sun because he's got a problem. And the law was there, but there's none of us that could live the law. We couldn't fulfill the law. We couldn't live by the law. In that, we were weak through the flesh. But the Spirit comes, and the Spirit works in us, and the Spirit transforms us. He, he describes it like this. A vine does not produce grapes by the act of parliament. I remember one time I was doing a youth thing and I had youth hold hands. And I said, I want you to squeeze real hard. I want you to produce fruit. He can't do that by might. He said, just stay in the vine. If you'll stay in the vine. As I'm the vine and you're the branches, you will bear much fruit. It's by staying in Christ Jesus. Being hidden in Christ Jesus. The law could not defeat sin. It could only detect sin. Only Jesus can defeat sin. And as we are in Christ Jesus, we will defeat sin. Sin was condemned in the flesh of Jesus. He bore the condemnation we deserve. Since we are in Christ, we have already had that condemnation come to pass over us. Remember the Old Testament when they used to put blood on the doorposts? And when the death angel came over, they would pass over that house because the blood had supplied. When we are due condemnation, when we are due our justice, and we are due because we're sinners, because the blood of Jesus Christ is applied to our life, that death angel passes over. The condemnation passes over. It's what God does. And we should have knew this. All the stories in the Old Testament leads up to this whole book. Isaiah 53, 4-6 says, Surely He took our pain and He bore our suffering. Yet we considered Him punished by God, stricken by Him and afflicted. But He was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we're healed. We are all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquities of us all. Do you know how marvelous the gospel is? Do you realize God calls us when he already knows we're going to fail? God called Peter and said, Peter, I'm going to make a great man out of you. You're not there yet, but you will be. Peter, one day you're going to be one of my head pillars in the church.
They come to get Jesus. Peter cuts the guy's ear off. Jesus said, before the sun goes down, y'all going to deny me. Peter said, all them may deny you, but I'm never going to deny you. I'm going to tell you, you, you just try to walk, walk anywhere in your own flesh and see if you fulfill the law. You're not going to do it. God already knew that, Jesus, that Peter was going to deny the Lord three times, but he was still his chosen. God already knew all the failures of Peter, and he already knew that one day Peter would die on a cross just like him. The sovereignty of God. God didn't just begin a work in you. He's going to finish a work in you. When you're born again, you're born again by grace. You can't start with grace and try to end up in the flesh. You can't, you can't fulfill God in the flesh. God's, not going, God's going to complete His work in you in grace. In the grace of God. The grace of God. The grace of God that saved you is the grace of God that will fulfill you and bring you one day into glorification and you'll be like Jesus Christ. Are you that confident in the Lord Jesus Christ? If you can't believe that you're saved by grace, how can you ever believe that you're secured by grace? And if you can't believe that you're secured by grace, how can you ever believe that you're saved by grace? They go hand in hand. The same God that called me is the same God that will keep me and the same God that will present me one day faultless before his father. He's right now praying at the right hand of the Father. You know, he spends a lot of time praying, Oh God, you know Dennis is going to mess up again this week. God help him. Some of you, he's praying even harder. But our flesh hates our spirit. Our flesh hates our spirit. Wars against our spirit. But I want you to be forever... That you understand as long, how long will we be in Christ? I believe we're going to be in Christ forever. I believe what he started, he's going to finish. I think he started by grace. He's going to finish by grace. I'm not there yet, but I'm getting there. God's going to get me there. I believe that the same God that brought no condemnation to me is the same God that's going to bring no separation to me. Um, And the Bible says the Christians are sealed with the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. We're sealed. So once you're in Christ, you're always in Christ. The Old Testament had a very great story. All the stories in the Old Testament is leading up, and there are types and shadows. There's pictures of what is to transfer. The the little lamb they used to kill, and they put on a stick, and they put it on a stick that looked like a cross, and they roasted the lamb, and they ate the lamb. If they ate the lamb, put the blood on the doorpost, the death angel would pass over. That was good for their sin. The sheep... The lamb that they put, they offered as a sin offering. That sin offering took care of them, took care of their sins. All those things represented Jesus Christ. It all represented Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, he talked about Noah's Ark. The world was filthy. The world was sinful. Every thought and every imagination of man was evil. And God found grace in Noah. Now, how many knows what the ark is a type of? What's the archetype of? It's a, it's, a, it's a type of Jesus Christ. There's only one door on the ark. Jesus is the door. Jesus said, I am the door. I'm the way. I'm the truth. There's only one way in. That's through the door. The door is Jesus Christ. And guess what? God, through the Holy Spirit, all those animals went in the ark, two by two. Noah, 
he's in your riding, reading Peter's writing. He said, I'll be the eighth one. All of Peter's, all of Noah's family went in the ark and Noah went in as the last man. But Noah didn't shut the door. God shut the door. How long is salvation going to be available until God shuts the door? When it's shut, it ain't coming back open. When God shuts the door, your day of salvation is over. He shuts the door. The rains come down and the floods come up. The rains come down and the floods came up. The rains come down. Remember that song? Children's Church. When you was little, exactly what happened. But what kept the rain of destruction, the rain of the wrath of God, the rain of the condemnation of God that was flooding, that was destroying the world, that was representative of sin and condemnation and filth. As the rain comes down and the floods came up, what kept that rain and that sin and that condemnation out of the ark? Because God had instructed Noah to pitch the ark inside, pitch it. And on the outside, pitch it. And you know what that pitch was? It was a tarry type subject and they would rub it all on the inside of the ark and they'd rub it all on the, all on the outside of the ark. And they'd pitch it that when the rains come down and the floods come up, they didn't get in the ark. You know what the word pitch meant in the Old Testament? You know what the Greek word for pitch is in the Old Testament? Atonement. Atonement. Guess who keeps the sin out? The atoned one, Jesus Christ. He's the our atonement. You can break atonement down and it's at one meant. It's Jesus Christ that has made us one. We're one with Him and He's one with us. We're in Him and He is in us. And you look at those pictures. Sometimes Paul talks about us being in Christ. Sometimes he talks about Christ being in us. What does that mean? He's in us and we're in Him. We're pitched from in and we're pitched without. We're pitched within and we're pitched without. We're covered in the blood. There is no condemnation, never no condemnation, not any condemnation, will not be any condemnation because we're pitched within and we're pitched without with the atoning work of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Give Him a hand. Glory. It's your position. Our position is we're in Christ. Or you're standing. You're standing, you're in Christ. That is not progressive. Sanctification is progressing. You're progressively getting more like Christ. Holy Spirit is doing a work on you. It is not perfect. It's just a position. It's a position. You have His life. You also have His death. We read just now that He died for you. He suffered for you. He took your death. He took your penalty. That you might take his righteousness. You have his life. He took your death. You have his righteousness. He took your unrighteousness. I think one of the most fascinating stories is Brabus in the Bible. Brabus is a sorry, low down, no, uh, you know, just a piece of trash in our society. They come to him, they say, well, you know, who do you want to let go? You want Brabus or you want Jesus? And they said, give us Barabbas. You think Barabbas today, he might have wrote about, you'll never believe what happened. I was the one, I was, I was fixing to die. 
And they said they're going to let me go free and I wasn't going to have to die even though I was a guilty one. I was a thief. I was a robber. I was a killer. I was everything that you can imagine. I was, I was, it would have been, the town would have been better off to kill me. But they, for whatever reason, they decided to kill Jesus. Can you imagine that? Folks, we're all the Barabbases. We all deserve to die, but we find out in Isaiah 53, he died for us. He died for us. He took our sins. He bore our grief. He bore our condemnation. John 5 and 24 said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation but is passed from death to life. I don't know how it can get any clearer than that. John 10 and 27 and 29, it was also said again, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them to me is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Jesus said, they're not coming out of my hand and they're not coming out of my Father's hand. The atonement has been pitched in our favor from inside and out. John Calvin writes in the Institute of Christian Religion that so long as Christ remains outside of us, all that he has accomplished for us remains useless and of no value to us at all. That which Christ has accomplished for us on the cross needs to be internalized. It needs to be actualized. We need to be brought into the relationship of Jesus Christ. I want you to remember this phrase right here. God does not love you to the degree that you are like Christ. He loves you to the degree that you're in Christ. And you're 100% in Christ. There's not percentages of being in Christ. God does not love you to the degree that you are like Christ. He loves you to the degree that you're in Christ. Now you know why the old hymn could be sung. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, perfect delight. Visions of rapture now burst on my sight. Angels descending, bringing from above. Echoes of mercy, whispers of love. Perfect submission, all is at rest. I am my Savior. I am my Savior, am happy and blessed. Watching and waiting, looking above. Filled with His goodness. Lost in His love. We're safe, we're secure in Jesus. Can we bow our heads?
there is no condemnation. Don't let the liar, the accuser of the brother, Satan, beat you over the head, put you down. You may have fellow people around you standing around with their stones in their hand ready to cast offensive words at you because of your failures in life. You may have failed at marriage. You may have failed as a single person. You may have failed by the appetites of this world. You may abuse things in this world. You may have become an addict. But there's still no condemnation in Jesus Christ. I watched a movie the other day on addiction. This father was trying to help his son that was addicted. And his father said, I, I've, I love my son. He keeps going back. He's been in treatment programs. He keeps going back. But I love him. And the counselor said, you're new at this, right? He said, yeah, I'm pretty new at this. He said, it's not if your son's gonna fail it's only when the way you can help your son is be there for him love him movie's kind of bittersweet at the end of the movie they show the guy I think he's been clean 18 months father is so proud of his son but you know one thing his son knows his son knows his father he's never going to turn his back on his son He's going to keep loving him. Can you imagine anything that would make you want to turn your back on your children? They aggravate you. Sometimes you get angry. Sometimes you say, go to your room. But would you turn your back on them? Forever turn your back on them. For eternity, turn your back on them. If earthly fathers know how to give good gifts, how much more does our Heavenly Father know? There is no condemnation in Jesus Christ. If you haven't figured it out yet, Jesus came and died for you and He loves you. And if you yield to Him, He's going he's gonna to love you right into His kingdom. And He's going to take all your hurts and your sins and your brokenness and your failures start healing them in you. First, you've got to realize that God is for you. If you could only re realize this one, to be in Christ means that God is for you and He will never, 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 never not be for you. Sometimes in this world, we, it seems like God's against us, but He's never against us. He's for us. God is for us. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. That's the truth. There's only one continent, a countenance that God has for you, and that's a loving Father. He loves us. Will you fail? Absolutely, you're going to fail. It's not about if, it's when. But when you fail, you've got to understand God already knew that we would fail. He knows that we are we're fragile. In this world, we will fail. But one day, Paul said we're going to get a new body. 
resurrected body. Immortality is going to be put on mortality. Immortality. This body that keeps us, this body that wars against the, the spirit, one day all of that's going to be put down and we're going to have a brand new glorified body and we're going to be just like his son. What he began in you, he desires to finish in you. Don't give up on Jesus. Rest in him. Rest in him. Have confidence in him. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray today that you would call some to make a decision for you. God, some of them, some in this room today has tried to make a decision for you a long time. They're trying in their own self. They're trying to be saved by themselves. Just give way to the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit baptize you into Jesus Christ and be justified and born again and regenerated by the Holy Spirit in Jesus Christ. Let the Holy Spirit begin the sanctifying process in you. And one day you'll surely be like Him. But until, until then, there is no condemnation. God, we thank you today for your love. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.